you should change your name to Teacher Joe on here. Teacher Joe. Okay. Yeah, here we go. I'm, I'm coming up with my name, and I'd be keen to hear anyone's thoughts because I'm really loving this, like... Organic weirdo. Like, organic weirdo. No, because I'm not organic, Jane. <laughs> what about Regen Jono? Regen well, Jono. Well, I sort of almost I want them to be like distinct from like it because I'm I'm bigger than that, you know. True. And so it's like um I've been thinking about things like big picture Jono, or like uh nice. or like a uh, curious. So anyway, that's curious like, fruit. Curious fruit. No. <laughs> Curious Brew. Yeah. Curious or George, if I remember rightly. <laughs> if we didn't have such a good title for the group, I'd, I'd rename it the Three J's because this is just such a beautiful fit. You realise, Joe, that you're now part of us. You can't uh, yeah. escape I, every Tuesday. I, I guess so now. Yeah. <laughs> we can make well, a new song. Coordinator at work won't be uh, won't be happy, but never mind. He'll he's used to me having a lot of appointments and a lot of meetings. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking very smart, Joe. This is the first day back at school. It is. Yeah, oh, no, your second yep. day, of course. No, yesterday no, I, we... I, yeah. no, I got gotten about yesterday, so I slept in. Yeah, I needed a bit of sleep in. <laughs> you don't yeah. look like a uh, like a tinfoil hat wearing hippie. You look quite professional. Now Thank look you. curious, Prue. We're only allowed a certain amount of airtime for you. You've got to be curious about <laughs> I'm really liking that name. We've got yeah. Farmer James, Farmer Joe, and Curious Fruit. I think that's a brilliant <laughs> combo. <Let's... laughs> Can you change your name to Curious oh. Fruit on here, please? That's what I'm every like... Kiwi needs to be. Curious. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Jonathan? Yeah, I'll take that on. I'm not saying that's it, but it, <laughs> we're getting somewhere. I'm, I'm, with you, Jono. I'm with you, Jono. I'm, I'm with you, Jono. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, I like it, but no. Too, yeah, too yes. close a connotation to Curious George, the monkey and monkey pox and things like that, you know? <laughs> I think that's even yeah, funnier. Yeah. That's the good point yeah. of it. I'm quite ape-like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're a real man. Oh, you don't like that one. Um, but just be, just, be, just be curious about it anyway, Jono. James, it really we... impresses me, Liz, because it was way in the early days we had that discussion. About... Yeah. I never forget. No, um, no. I want I want to talk schools and and masks for kids because I had the most beautiful, beautiful. Um, there's there's all this negative stuff where Jacinda Ardern has said this on News Hub. I will deal with it straight away. Jacinda Ardern, this is what was on News Hub yesterday, has faced hard questions about the rules as children return to class. The PM says schools don't have to punish students who won't wear masks, but they can choose to. Against that, I had the most amazing letter um, from someone who said, you know, my daughter went back to class. She was one of only three without a mask the beginning of the day. By the end of the day, the numbers had flipped and there were only about three still wearing masks. So these, yeah, joke. These kids can revolutionize their own classrooms quietly with dignity, not with aggression, just with quiet dignity. I don't submit. This is not legal. It's not done under a law. No teacher, this is not a law. So therefore I have choice. I have a choice even with the law. But um, but it was it's a really interesting place we're at. Joe, going back to school, what are you feeling? Um, yeah, look, I'm I'm very lucky. I got a message with several messages from colleagues down the road who were at school yesterday. Um, for those of you who don't know, I just needed a day off after touring around with that guy down there for, for last week and you know for brother's 50th birthday. But um it didn't work. And, and we're gonna um, talk about the tour that yeah, James well, we've got to talk about the tour, but yeah, I'll, I'll let's get start to it here. quickly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so they said it, it had completely flipped, it didn't even gain any traction. The principal down the road he sent out oh, i think late last week um very much that they would be encouraging masks and that would be an expecta uh, expectation but it wasn't like you said it wasn't law so they can't enforce it yeah. so i think it didn't change anything from last term um my brother uh, my brother sorry my son ethan who's in year 13 he said you know the students he knew there was about a couple of students wearing masks in the entire school and we're talking a school of about 17 1800 students so the, the students walked in and they decided 
and they were not wearing masks. So it was simply brilliant hearing that. And it's, that's amazing. I've just had something and I've got to read to you. This is on a, a thread with these teachers on um, Maidstone Intermediate. I don't know where that school is, are doing a shit job. This is quoted by, this is from a parent. Apparently three warnings for not wearing a mask will result in a stand down from the school. My daughter has an exemption, says his parent, but due to horrific bullying, doesn't always use it. That school is disgusting, to be honest. Bullying is so rife, it's normalized authoritarian teachers mm. that's horrific mm. Mm. that this is going to be a time when parents and their kids are going to have to make big decisions like if that was my child's school i tell you right now i'd be taking my child out of school and homeschooling for sure mm. but not to run away if the child is at school and can bear it to to also teach them to say no i don't care how many times you stand me down i'll stand on my principle but that's yeah, tough absolutely. for little ones, isn't it, Joe? Absolutely. Um, you know, especially for what are we talking, um, year four up. That's that's horrific. Um, yeah. at the other end of the scale, my old school, Papanui High School, um, I hate to use the term, but quite militant in an enforcement of it. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was, you know, similar instructions to what you've just read out. When meeting with my my principal some time ago, um, going through my termination. Um, you know, I actually was hearing about a particular dean at my school, a particular, um, she was being very, very, I guess, Sergeant Majorish um, yeah. with, you know, the discipline she was enforcing if, if students, you know, decided not to wear masks. So, so pretty horrific. Um, what good friend who is at that school relieving, um, he has, he's decided, you know, he's not wearing a mask, he's got a mask exemption. Um, and, and that was respected, thankfully, as a staff member. But he was then given boxes of, of masks to hand out to students who were not wearing them. So that's the case of, you know, 800 metres up the road from my high school back to my previous school, which is 20 something kilometres down the road. Yeah, so we're seeing a great variation. And again, here we go, the government handing it over to, to individual schools to see how, you know, they want to enforce it. To you be know, the enforcers. To be the enforcer. Horrific. It's absolutely, this is the time where, you know, if you wonder what you would have been like under Hitler's Germany, mm -hmm. you'll show yourself who you would have been if you're going to enforce illegal laws, if you're going to bully and be authoritarian and fascist, frankly, then you know what you would have done in Hitler's Germany and you can never look away from that. But if you stand up and be an individual, you go inside yourself and go, does this feel right to stop kids getting oxygen in their lungs? Mm -hmm. And what about this, Joe and, and Jono and James? Someone said to me the other day, the mask wearing could become this generation's asbestos. And I said, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. And he said to me, we don't know what wearing masks 12 hours a day, eight hours a day, nonstop does in those lungs. We know that they're finding mm -hmm. microfibers of nylon from the throwaway masks in lungs of people who are autopsied. That has got to weaken your lungs badly. And, and we're not getting any research on whether masks are even healthy. What do you reckon, Jono? Well, <clears throat> when I look at the average human being, especially, well, no, not just in New Zealand, but around the world, where we're, we're not good breathers. We're, we're really shitty breathers. As in, for the most part, we're shallow breathing. We're in like a, you know, um, state of fight or flight, anxiety, you know, stress. And so our breathing is really shallow. We don't breathe deeply. We don't, you know, breathe fully. And so when you, when you, you know, take that and then add a mask to that, you're basically, when you, like, when you picture wearing a mask and you picture deep breathing, so big, deep belly breathing, sure, you might get some oxygen in there as well as all the other particles within the mask, of course, sadly, but the, the thing with with the majority of the population who just shallow breathe who actually don't know what it means to breathe fully um with the shallow short breath we're breathing out co2 and then breathing it straight back in because it's not had a chance to exit so we're literally poisoning it this is one of the only times where co2 is a problem is when it's in concentration and in replacement of you know oxygen yeah so literally you know like when i look back to my to my the car accident we had and you know every time they put the well I pretty much had the stats on me all the time in the early stages of the recovery was um the doctor's always like how do you do that 99 to 100 percent oxygen in your blood 
and it's like breathing you've got to breathe yeah. slow and deep wow. and um and it does incredible things to your whole nervous system um but yeah i, I think wearing a mask like it's if you put a mask on your car's intake it's not going to run it's not going to run very well if you do that to a diesel vehicle watch the smoke come out any any farmers here that have got old trucks especially around harvest time where you're sucking in a lot of dust and debris that filter gets blocked you watch the smoke barrel out it just it's not efficient and human beings are the same so to block air intake is just ridiculous like it yeah Jono, can you explain, there is a really important thing you, you did as a throwaway comment there. Can you explain what that did for your neurology, for what for your physiology when you were, after your big car accident, you're breathing properly, <clears throat> how that relaxes the brain, yeah. doesn't it? Which then allows healing to speed up. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, you get yourself into a state of rest and restorative, um, you know, literally restorative and and learning inducing brain waves so you, yes. you get yourself into a space where you can not only be you know powerfully present but also you can take in your surroundings you're aware you you, you know what's you know what's going on not just internally but externally as well see for when when we're shallow breathing it's the opposite it's it's you're not present you're in the future you're in the past you're not able to you know take in any of the information in your environment and so you're literally a sitting duck for disease, infection. And, you know, when I when I had the, the back surgery to get the rods put in on the worst of the breaks in my vertebrae, they, um, coming out of that, I had to have a drain coming out of the wound in my back for a day or two as, as the, you know, the blood that is produced in that, in that you know, trauma site is, um, is expelled outside the body um which i think in some senses when i look deeper is actually part of the healing process but we as human beings have it that no that shouldn't be there so we drain it but anyway when they pulled that out it's the weirdest feeling when they do that um there was that they said oh no we're now going to put you on on intravenous um uh antibiotics in case of infection and i was like look i'm i'm really you know not worried about that um and so requested that we didn't and i was able to heal that wound you know just on my own through breathing and through maintaining and being responsible for my mental state jono that's extraordinary that really mm -hmm. is because i know that when when you're being chased by a tiger you know that old adage chased by a tiger we, we go into fight or flight when something makes us nervous or scared yeah. and let's face it so much that's in the news right now and this government yeah. are designed to make us panic you, you, you go, your mouth often, often drops open. You're doing mm. the shallow breathing. You're not getting that, that lovely relax, relaxation in your brain. And you were lying yeah. in hospital going, I'm going to relax my brain. I'm going to relax my whole system to be well, able to cope with this. In the early days, it was just about oxygen. That's all. I just wanted oxygen in my blood to heal. And it was just a byproduct that I learned about the, you know, the other effects. But no, to, to wear a mask, it's not only fear propaganda, like, because we, you know, us four are pretty clear that that's an effective way of spreading fear is like, you know, having people wear this this thing on their face. But you know, the byproducts of it is literally having people's bodies behaving in a way where, you know, they can't learn, they can't, you know, relax, they can't be present, and so just in a constant state of of literally of fear. So it's it's a two pronged fear approach. It's targeting the the psychological by people seeing people wearing masks. And that induces fear or possible fear. And then it's the physical side of things, literally limiting the amount of oxygen available. Mm. You're muted, Liz. James, you're really brave. I want to talk about the courage variant you're spreading around the around New Zealand in a moment. But you're someone who doesn't like bullying. You've often said that in our little talks. What would you do if you were a child at school right now and a teacher does that? What would you do? And I don't mean take you take it back to the age of Bronson, your boy, or younger. Um, so yeah, I don't know if everyone that's listening to this is clear on my whole courage variant. I decided to spread around the South Island, but um, <laughs> talk about that. It's I had beautiful. A of, I, I had a bit of a yarn, uh, just a bit of a joke, but kind of serious about how 
um, the courage had spread and all these people got the courage and one of the symptoms for the courage is you, you just refuse to wear these masks and you refuse to go along with propaganda and some of these people have actually ended up having long courage and that's it's even worse <laughs> <laughs> they can't shake it it just keeps they can't get rid of it and it just keeps coming it'll be there forever and yeah sorry sorry Mr Principal that wants to yell at you but you're just not going to put a mask on um, but I had this young girl well, this, the mother of this young girl messaged me yesterday and it cracked me up. She said her seven-year-old, uh, the principal had rung her up because her seven-year-old had forgot the word courage but remembered the variant name, B-R-A-V-E, brave. Um, and just said to her principal, said, no, me, I don't, I don't wear masks, I brave, or something like this. <laughs> and I was just like, how good, yes. <laughs> What so, a great yeah. mum, too, to explain that to a child. <laughs> yeah, I was cracking up. Um, and so I I trained all, all the kids up that I have anything to do with about this whole courage, you know. What's, so, But they went to school and then no one wore a mask anyway at their school, not even the teachers, so that didn't even matter. Um, so they didn't. They were ready to use their courage. We've got courage, we don't wear a mask. And then, that no, they didn't have to. But anyway... Some schools are pretty uh, Nazis about it, and some schools were really good about it. A lot, Joe's saying one school down the roads, Nazis. One school, he um, is good. So I can't. Yeah, it's very odd. Um, Te but, teacher yeah. Joe, what's your what's your advice to parents who are going? What do I do? What do I do? My child's being bullied and coming home crying and betraying what they want to do, and the teachers it's picking still, on them. You know, you know, being a teacher, it's like, well, you got to challenge the narrative. I mean, if I just pull out a couple of um, a couple of quotes here I've, I've taken from the media, this was a, a, I think, in the in in um, the Christchurch Press. No sanctions should be imposed on school that did not enforce uh, mask wearing. Well, you know, a sentence like that should you know should give parents courage. You know, look, sorry, you know, if a teacher asks you, you know, to wear a mask or someone does, you know, just say, I, I don't want to, thank you. I'm, I'm quite comfortable. Okay. And, you know, depending on the age of the student is is going to depend, you know, where they are, with, with how comfortable they are with wearing. I mean, it comes down to so many elements, especially peer pressure within school. I mean, back at the beginning of this year, my son was probably, um, um, you know, just a, a handful of, of um, students who weren't wearing it. And then slowly that's worn off because, you know, look at the statistics in our health system right now, you know, and, and they're saying, here's another quote, um, um, living, uh, limiting transmission in school will save lives in New Zealand. Limiting transition somehow, Teachers and students in schools are responsible for transmission around New Zealand. Come, come on, yeah. you know. So, so read, learn. Don't listen to one narrative. I mean, it's massive when we've got the propaganda out there. But stand in your own truth and honour, and stand up for your child. Um, you know, because Liz, you were just saying, what's what's going to be the psychological effects later on about this? They're going to be dire if if we continue the health effects. You know, the microfibers. It's all out there. Um, and, and we just have to encourage, keep speaking out like this, keep spreading this and, and letting people know there's, there's people who, who are going to stand up and support them. Um, reach out. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's teacher what Joe. talking about. Yeah. Did you just say that there's not just one source of truth? <laughs> what am I going to say here? What am I going to say? There is not one source of truth. There are always <laughs> two sides or multiple sides to a story. And as I thought Farmer James was the single source of truth. He tried to claim it <laughs> in a joking, mocking way. Yeah, it was quite entertaining, actually. Not everybody got it, though. That was he had to explain himself. It's you like James coming out straight away just saying, and guys, look, I'm a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, want, I want to hear what, what it was like when Jono turned up that afternoon in Amberley in the moment. But, Joe, I just before yeah. we finish this discussion. Um, yeah. Some of the earlier Amoas, or you might have watched them, but but it was where Jono was explaining the beautiful um, principles of planting and of growing plants. And the, mm. the key principle is diversity, isn't it, Jono? And that's why we need diversity. Oh, we've lost James. That's why we need diversity on 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 everything, on on ideas, on political options coming up, mm. on um, whether we wear masks or not, on how we treat our health. Diversity seems to me, John, to be an absolute key to everything in in a healthy natural system, doesn't it? I would say diversity and expression. 
nice. Yeah, for sure. It's mm. a huge parallel. It's a huge parallel. But I think, Jono, what's on your heart this week? That's been on mine, the whole mask wearing thing and feeling for the parents. Mm. What's on yours? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's definitely been there, but we've got a few additions. Um, the discussions around foot and mouth. So it's another, yeah. you know, another angle coming in of, of fear and worry of something that hasn't happened yet and may not happen. And like, I'm really, you know, like once you start digging down some of these rabbit holes, things that come along like this foot and mouth thing, you, you're sort of already down the rabbit hole of being open to the possibility of it not being quite as the media, you know, depicts. Mm. And so hearing things like, like when I think back to foot and mouth, I just remember on the news images of stacks of burning um, cows. Uh, and that's all I remembered from it. And like, I, I think about it, like, you know, what is foot and mouth? Is it a concern? Is it worth wiping out a whole country's livestock for? Like, these are the questions. Um, and if it's something that's got to be tested for and doesn't necessarily show, uh, all of the time show symptoms, you know, it makes you wonder. It's a bit like, um, I know there's lots of different strains of like the herpes virus. And I know that there's, you know, different forms of it. And I know that some statistic like 80 something percent of New Zealanders have that virus. It's just dormant. And so if we ran around testing people for this virus, like it was something we needed to cleanse from, you know, New Zealand society, there'd be, you know, huge deaths. But then looking at it from a sense of, okay, it's, it's a virus that may be in your body, but dormant, not expressing itself, not able to be spread. Um, is it a concern? And that's what comes to mind with foot and mouth. Um, are we looking at, you know, like for instance, creating, you know, healthy animals such that they can't be, you know, susceptible to these sorts of diseases? No, we're not talking about that. We're just talking about let's kill everything. And and the, what does that do to a farmer? It puts the shits up them. Mm. That's what it does. Our poor farmers are under such assault. Some land is being taken on the West Coast. And, and James, I'd love to talk to some people in Groundsville this week, if I can, just about what's going on on our West Coast of the South Island. Here, the government's claiming land there. We won't get into that right now, but I really want to research that story. Well, but 1,500 I, I... landowners, you know, getting served notice that their, their land's no longer theirs to, you know, it's not that it's not theirs, it's just that they can't do what they like with it. It's got to My be you heart know, just leads for our farmers. I just want to, God, I just want to, they're, they're the backbone of this country. But you know, on, on that point, Jono, if, if all those animals get burnt, it just goes back to Henry Kissinger, who was one of the founders of the World Economic Forum, who are a, an unvoted for bunch of rich people who got together in 1971, Kissinger and Klaus Schwab, this <clears> ghastly <throat> man, and um, George Soros. And they said, basically, how can we, we're greedy already, but how can we gobble up most of the world's resources for ourselves and exclude mm -hmm. the people? And that's where this evil's come from. So Kissinger was under Nixon, who was probably, it's hard call to make, the most corrupt president, although, yeah, that's a big call because many of them have been. But this is what he said, control oil and you control nations. Control the food and you control the people. And all over the world, they're looking at trying to make shortages of food. We know that food processing plants all across America have been burnt, way too many for it to be coincidental. We know that in the Netherlands, they're trying to create food shortages. In Kiwis, we have to wake up. We can't get let this fear porn about foot and mouth take over our country because that's what she'll roll out. They'll say probably that there's some polluted pack of palm kernel oil feed, which we shouldn't even be having in this country. We could feed our cows on the land, but, you know, we must burn all the animals and we all will have to stand up and say, no way. No, we're going to need that food. They're a big world. That doesn't shortages. align with, with our CO2 emissions. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's Monty Python-esque, but it's so macabre. It's so bizarre now. Farmer James, we need your, your input here, though. What do on you reckon? On what part? On the foot of mouth? Yep. Um, yeah, I just think it's another one of those things. Like a few years ago, I've talked about this before on a mower, but um, I thought the 
some of the farmers that were going on about the imbovis were full of crap. I was like, nah, nah, why would, you know, why won't they just get rid of their stock? And of course you think like that when it's not your stock, because you think, oh no, nah, just get rid of them. But then it's just a wee bit, now I've opened my mind a wee bit more, well, tried to open my mind up a lot more to what else could be going on around the country, around the world. I'm starting to realise that, oh, okay. What they do is they just ring fence you into this wee group and marginalise you and put heaps of pressure on you and bully you. And then you don't really have much backing. But now I think now's the time uh, that we just need to back each other. So I'm tempted to go out to the West Coast and stand the ground for those West Coasters if I have to um, and take a bloody, take an army out with me, but not an army of militants like the police will try and make out. Like the army new... of an army of good bastards that are willing to stand up for the country and say no, thank you, Mahuta. Yes, Mahuta, go over there. We're going to have a, a free New Zealand for the for the whole New Zealand, not just for a Mahuta. Yeah. Whatever. What is a Mahuta? Is that some sort of animal or something? Or what? <laughs> Check this out. Check this out on a New Zealand port. I'll just share this with you guys. See if you can see it. Check this out. Holy fuck, my cousin. Check this out. My cousin will come off the ships. You see what those are? Look, seven of them out. Fuck, maybe that lady's telling the truth. There's this fucking army tank fucking car things there. Look at that. Five, Seven army trucks. Or five, it looks like five, but yeah, brand new, wrapped up, um, militant tanks just dropped off at port in New Zealand. I tell you what, if she does that to the people... The, Who knows? The, they could be in transit to somewhere else. Who knows? You just don't know. But but it's a question mark. Kiwis be curious, like curious through. <laughs> I, like, I like curious through. Eh? Um, one thing. One, one thing I need to think we do need to talk about though is the um the fear because that's one message we sent around the we South Island. We're talking about basically the <clears throat> the only strength that these guys have over us and the reason why we keep bowing down to them is because of fear, the fear porn, they keep spreading around. As in, they, well, they try and scare us into thinking that if we put our head up, we're going to get called misogynist or racist or some yeah. other -ist. I don't even know what they were, but I'll get called quite a few of them. Um, they try to make out that, you know, if you, like today, I've seen uh, over in uh, the Manly Sea Eagles, some of them refused to wear their pride jerseys. And I was like, you yeah, boy. How yeah. good, how good. Seven of them said, nah, we're not supporting it. And not because they hate people because they're gay. I don't hate anyone. No. I don't hate someone because they're gay. It's just because they don't believe they should be pushing it out for, to believe that it's mainstream and everyone should be gay. No, yeah. we shouldn't all be gay. If we want to, if you're gay, you're gay. If you're not, you're not. You don't have to bloody tell everyone they're gay. So yeah. we just need to be a bit more ballsy and stand up and don't be so scared to offend. I am not scared to offend. I never have been and I never will be, but it's not that fun always being like that. <laughs> well, I, I would say that that's not your intention, James. Your intention is not to offend. It's just that sometimes that's a result of you saying what you know you need to say. And you don't... Brutally really honest is probably yeah. the goodest description. Imagine having politicians that were like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. Um, hey, James, um, what was I going to say there? You're talking... Come back to... Bring me back. Where were we? He was saying he's not against gays. Yeah. Like, I don't ah. care what someone does in their bedroom. I could not care less, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Did you but see... I will not, I will not wear, um, for example, I don't know, what's it called? S&M or some gear that was in some... That book. I can't remember the book mm. now. But anyway, it was all about that. And I went, I'm not I'm not going to be forced by that if the S&M lobby come up and go... We're the minority and we feel really hard yeah. done by now, John on a mower. We want you to wear S and M stuff. Yeah, we're, we're all gonna go. Beating. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what else? You could go deep. Yeah, anyway. Um, what was there for me? Do you know this week I seen a post that there was a I'm not sure if it was a Ministry of Education, but a New Zealand education body put a post up on Instagram saying that it's not just a feminine thing to have periods and that I can all add genders to this. can experience oh. periods. God. Jono, I, I thought I was, we're around the table where I'm at right now and the workers come and I was like, far out, did you guys see this crazy bullshit? And this is yesterday morning. And then one of the uh, workers still had his 13-year-old with him because uh, he has, he's going back today. So the 13-year-old's there and he goes, yeah, 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 they taught us that at school that, that, at, that us males can get periods. And I just sat there and said, what the actual... I was James. like, are you joking? 
And then I said to him, I said, you realise that's not true, eh? He's like, oh, that, well, 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 they they told us. And I said, what school do you go to? He said, oh, well, Timaru Boys High School. Timaru Boys High School are telling males they can get periods. No, they what cannot. What has happened to our education department? Teacher Joe, they are trying to break males. This is something Steve Oliver said ages ago to me. He said, if you want to make a society weak, you make sure the men are weakened. And that's kind of, I look at Helen Clark now and I think, mm, yeah, 20 years ago, she's got into the education department. And she was you know, the first male prime minister, wasn't she? <laughs> well, in this, trans, in this transgender world, she can't pick that apart because that'd be politically incorrect. <laughs> before I, before I, um, you know, count, here we go. Um, I think I don't know. Can you read the? the yes, yeah? the world has gone mad. Get your kids out of the school system. They are being brainwashed. And what does the sign say? The we says periods are not just for women. Has that dude got blood on his crutch? Bleeding while trans certainly does. I mean, this is oh, social media. Oh no. This is social media that's going around. Oh, my goodness. That is horrific. That's <clears throat> sick. So, you know, it, this is, well, implemented, you know, down by United Nations and the Agenda 2020, Agenda 2030. I mean, it's it's happened so rapidly. It, you so know, it's fast. just literally happened before our eyes. You know, talking with my son last night, you know, I was about the, the post um, that, that was on the um, Ministry of Education um, telegram, which was all around, you know, um, not only, you know, it's not only women who can get periods. I mean, now in, in schools, you've got, um, you know, menstrual and period products being issued out and everything, which, which you know, is good because, you know, there's this um, period poverty and everything like that. But with it, is, underlying that is the whole agenda of the desexualization desexualization yes. you know you know reduce and and demote and disempower the alpha male yes okay? very very much so and and raise that that feminist um, um stake break you know it goes deeper with you know breaking down the family unit you know That's the confusion it. the psychological damage it's all all part of um i guess disempowering society you know, get the get the father, get the mother out there, you know, working more, chasing the dollar to keep everything coming in, you know, and break down the very foundations of what a strong family unit is with the alpha male, the father protecting the wife he loves dearly and, and the children and protecting them. And it's all part of, of that agenda. Um, it's quite sickening. And it's, you know, it, it's happening at all facets of our society and right there in, in the education system right now the kids have been absolutely hammered and smashed with it confused um, to hell confused immensely yeah it um i i walk around school now um in a state of you know just of disbelief i guess you know seeing it it's not the good thing is it's not fully penetrated because most kids i think can can see through it but for a growing and greater number, it is pushing in. It is pushing in. And there are, you know, more and more and more kids that um, are questioning themselves, questioning their sexuality at a, at a younger age, you know, it, probably in, in intermediate, if not primary, certainly by the time they're in, in um, high school at, at year nine, you know, 12, 13 years of age, they, um, they've got a good handle of, you know, why kids are thinking this way. And it's and somehow it's acceptable. You know, having, you know, um, having a, a, a gender that's not a male or female, okay, yeah. which which I find a wee bit sickening, but I'll respect it because you know I've got family and a brother, yeah, who who's gay. Well, it's, it's really it's interesting. One thing to be gay, isn't Sorry, it? Like it's it's one thing to be gay, Joe. Mm. It's another thing to mix up your gender. Like sexuality and gender is two distinct things, and I'm exactly like you like all four people choosing their sexuality mm. but gender is not something that you can choose you're born what you are and i know people can take surgeries and hormone treatments and what have you but you know genetically you are born as you are um, yeah. and you can do whatever you like with that something else comes up to me as you just created the scenario joe is like what's going to happen to our ability to have children like <laughs> if we're not just having men and women together and we're, we're playing around with hormones. 
I mean, is that part of it as well? I'm not saying this. This is not a conspiracy theory. I'm just no. like curious. Like, is this is that quite a handy byproduct that people aren't having children? Because they, I don't know, maybe they, maybe it'll get to the point where they're scared to have, you know, who knows? Who knows? Do you know what I mean? Like, for me, like, I'm very clear on my sexuality and I'll never, you know, uh, I'll never uh, suppress that. But should we get to a point where these children in these societies where it's, it's there's all this confusion, what should happen should a child begin to suppress his own, you know, natural sexuality it's, there's going to be an impact that's you know i i don't know no i don't know the impact and that's where it's quite it's incredibly disturbing i mean as well as trying to desexualize individuals they're also highly sexualizing you know young people you know through 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 porn through um you know these things just just phones you know they're their ability to share information. I mean, sharing dick pics, sharing, you know, nudie pics and things is, is the norm, you know, as, as a dean and as a, as a pastoral supporter, you know. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and look, I'm being mild with some of the, the you know, the pieces I dealt with and with families, with what was shared, you know, by young people, both girls and boys um, around and, and via social media, those images, you know, went around and stuff. And, and, smashed some kids absolutely um has anybody seen this this one here is um what is a woman by matt walsh oh i watched that movie one? yeah it looks incredible oh, it is it is incredible as an eye-opening um the the lengths this matt and there's some um, investigative journalist matt walsh goes to to um have a question answered of just what it is a woman and he goes to you know all sorts of experts in the fields people who who lecture and at universities and things um and it's a very very difficult question to answer what is a woman it's oh there we go oh farmer james um it's 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 a person that's born with the female genitalia and can birth a child that's huh. a pretty cool reply. Well, I would say even pretty simple one. Perhaps, you know, not all women can birth children. Like as in, well, have the know, have the sort of uh, the reproduction order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then, oh, do you want me to give an example of what they say? <clears throat> yeah, you've got it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, can you ask me the question again? Okay, um, Farmer James, can you please um, enlighten us? What is a woman? Oh, wow. It's very hard to put it into a box because you got to remember that everyone has their own definition of what a woman is. And, you know, the woman, um, well, you know, it's not just as simple as a question like, what is a woman? It's it's more of a question like, how do you describe a woman? Um, and I just put the question to you. Why are you asking such dangerous questions? Was that a just Cinderella Dern impersonation? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just avoided Excuse the question me? entirely. <laughs> Liz, do we have to be somewhere else now? <laughs> Look, we're clearly not being traumatized or confused by anything this government's doing. <laughs> so good. Did you take drama at high school as well? I'm sure you took oh. drama as well. Oh yeah. Hard. For those of you that didn't get to see Farmer that. James on tour, you would yeah. definitely say he's done some drama. Oh, let's move acting. to that now. But I would, I would leave our discussions about masks and about, you know, your gender and the confusions and the horrors of those, um, you know, dick pics and things being shared at, at schools with this piece of advice for parents. Take your kids out of school. If they miss a year of school, it doesn't matter. Take them into the forests, go forest bathing, walk with bare feet, make them look at tiny little shoots of beautiful ferns unfolding. Take the ferns off them. Yeah, take the phones off them. Just sit in a beautiful piece of New Zealand bush and say, we're just going to go still and listen to the birds. I mean, seriously, just mm. take them back to nature. Just watching water flowing over rocks. And and I went, why isn't every parent who's going, what do we do with our kids? But just go, go somewhere with them. Every weekend, every day, if you can, and say, guys, we're just going to have a year off school. That's my absolutely um, heretic advice. What do you reckon, teacher Joe? 
I'm going to have you out advice. of a job. I, I love the retech <laughs> advice. You know, there's nothing better than than challenge than one source of truth. Okay, yeah, yeah it's um, and you know, so good for the soul. I, I love that, and I, I'm guilty of it. I'm um, homeschooling. You know, um, three kids. I've homeschooled four of them, um, and good I wish time. there was a bit more time to head out. But it'll happen. It'll happen. Uh, but might might have to head over to the west coast there with Farmer James and his uh, mob that he's going to take over. They'll try and raise a mob here from North Canterbury. We'll go over and support him. And take so, the kids and teach them how and, to how to meet yeah. real men on the on the west coast of the South Island. There yeah, it is again, well. Jono. Hey, um, <laughs> Farmer James, can you take us to your tour? So, what happened when Jono turned up at Amberley that afternoon? Because that was such a cool ending to the last demo. Jono suddenly goes, "Where are you? I think I'll come." <laughs> that's, um, that's not the only time Jono popped up on tour either <laughs> what happened on that day Jono popped up another time as well in uh Feely. oh nice out of nowhere take us just through the up. tour James like take us through from where we were last week to take us uh, through yeah so basically we went from the bottom of the South Island so from well not quite the bottom but from Invercargill Gore Clinton which is my hometown. Then went to Henley near Dunedin, Omaru, Timaru, Ashburton. That was the first two days, the two and a half days. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, then we went back back to Geraldine, and then we went from Geraldine to Cro uh, somewhere near Christchurch. It was Lincoln or Rolleston area. Then we yeah. went to Christchurch. Um, and actually, at that point, Chantelle Baker jumped off. She jumped. She just jumped on board at the last moment and like just come around those first few meetings with us. And that was really cool because uh, we did a wee bit of a skit. And I don't know if anyone got to see that skit, but it was quite funny. Um, basically, <laughs> I pretended to be a misogynist and basically said, sorry, Chantelle, I cannot listen to your voice. I do not. I hate women. I can't listen to it. And I'd say, oh, actually, Chantelle, do you want to have a voice? Oh, actually, I remember I'm a misogynist. And so <laughs> we kept wasn't the last time he said that to a lot of women? Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to play up to this stupid name calling because it's so yeah. ridiculous uh anyway then uh me and lingo louie rolled it solo for like one whole episode of the the show <laughs> and then joe jumped on board at, at uh where was that uh amberley amberley and that's when jono was there as well and jono me and jono peer pressured joe into coming on board and <laughs> i was nothing to do with that <laughs> And Joe come on board for the next for Kaikoura, Blenheim, Nelson. And then the trip between Nelson and Westport is something, it's almost its own story in itself because it at that point in time, it was about midnight by the time we finished the meeting, talking to people. We were sitting there and we we're like, right, the road is shut. So it should be a two hour and a bit drive. It's now almost impossible, but there's still a small window opportunity. If you leave now, you might make it there for the 10 o'clock meeting. And we said, let's do it. Were <laughs> so you we two travelling together, James? Yeah. Oh, so we, nice. We nice. fueled up the truck. But we had a wee, we had a shower, some dinner, you know, so proper food because we didn't know how long we're going to be up for. And we left about 2am, fueled up the truck and just went on the road. <laughs> 2am to try and get to our next meeting. But like it was a very, very tight time frame. Even if we're leaving at 2am to get right around there was going to be near impossible. And... We've seen some stuff. Uh, we had wind that was nearly blowing trucks off the road and like sideways rain that was literally almost going upwards. It was like just woof. Um, mm. Then we had snow and then more snow and then like some serious snow. And then I was like, oh crap, we're going to get stuck out in the snow. And then there was trucks across the road because of the snow and oh, it was an epic adventure. Um, so anyway, we got to a point that we realised when we were about Kaikoura, it was 4.30 in the morning, we got a message saying that the road's just been shut that we're trying to go through. So we'd just driven for like a few hours to try and get there and then it's going to be shut. So we just thought, bugger it, we'll just risk it anyway. So we carried on going and then <laughs> <laughs> it got to, we got to, we were near Wyal and it was just before daylight. We probably had about 40, 50 minutes left of daylight uh, before it got day. And then we thought, right, we'll have a bit of shut-eye. And I think we had about 40 minutes because we were pretty knackered by this stage. Uh, that was all the sleep we got that night. And then we just started back up, carried on going. And then the road was shut. And they told us it's not going to be open today. So we went and had a coffee and uh, some breakfast because we were pretty knackered. 
and then they opened the road so we got a bit of luck there was no way we could make it to our first meeting was we spoke at 10 30 we didn't we just didn't have enough time so we just headed straight for a second meeting and lucky we did because we only we only just got there aj <laughs> that's so we did. it tells it as it as it happened yeah that's like yeah. a pilgrimage that's like you know it's got all the wonderful character building stuff of massive challenge kind of like your little mount everest but the reason that we decided that we'd go for it is because if we go around the country trying to trying to get people to do something and actually just be there and be supportive and actually put their neck on the line. If we're not willing to put our neck on the line and try and get to them, how are they going to, you know, what courage are they going to be able to have to push forward with, you know, not wearing masks and stirring up their schools and all this stuff. Like if we can't try everything we can to get there, you know, and then I think that really inspired some people to realize if we're willing to push that hard to try and make it that clearly, we we're trying to help them they should you know put give it a bit of help to the rest of new zealand as well so i think we really inspired some people by trying to do that adventure um no no and then, we, we got it we got there in the end we didn't try we did it we yes. didn't quite make westport awesome. we got to make westport. yeah but we made hokitika mm. no you got there much. because you never get and we were up. like we were like this trying to stay awake we were like far <laughs> out it was hard work <laughs> we were naked <laughs> yeah that is just, you got there because you never gave in to fear or giving up or you got there because you kept going. You know that saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going? Oh, That's yeah. That's what you did. Yeah, that Well, listen awesome. to this. The next day, Liz, we had to drive from Hokitika to Feely, which is actually quite a hike on its own. Then we had to drive from Feely to Hawea or near Wanaka. And then I had to drive to Queenstown from there, which all in itself is still quite a big drive. And then I drove from Tiana to Tiana that night. So, yeah. the good thing is, when we got up in uh, in Hokitika, we only had to get up at four a.m. Um, <laughs> oh, the siren, you know, James's siren went in at three fifty-five. <laughs> My God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Joe, so what? What did? You, how did you find traveling with James, Joe? He's he's a pretty he's a phenom. He's he's an amazing. He is, he is a phenom. You know, I um <laughs> a phenom. A phenomenon. Yeah. Man Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's a beast. This guy's got the biggest heart I know. You know, I've known some pretty good, you know, um, you know, people in my time in my 45 years thus far. And, you know, connecting this guy, connecting the, you know, with this guy, learning a little about his fucker papa, about <clears throat> you know, the manner of a man, about his family, about his history, you know, it just drove me to stand with him, um, you know, for the people. And it was yes. so easy to do, you know, just learning uh, a little bit about each other, connecting. Um, he says he's not spiritual, but he's a very, very spiritual man. You know, yeah. he's just a young man still, and he probably doesn't realize it. But, um, you know, his, his the ancestry that, that he has behind him um, is quite phenomenal. And I know there's a lot of guidance, you know, coming from there in, in, in a spiritual way. Yes. Um, it was it was easy for me to you know to to know and understand that um, he's he's a, a special man. He's a special man who's yeah. got so much uh, energy, so much uh, to give. And um, the, the thing is, no one can stop that. You know, when it's coming from him from a place of of truth, and it's coming from a place um, where he's got you know, the backing of a whole lot of people, um, it, it's not going to, it's not going to change. So yeah, you know, and great people, great, you know, you Liz here, you know, helping to share it, you know, John over here, you know, getting him in and, and, and helping us and supporting us because he's got, you know, he's got his story. I only got half an hour and, and I thought, well, 45 minutes in the car with him, but I'm um, already, I'm, you know, yeah, getting to see a glimpse of, you know, um, where this future is going, not, yes. you know, could go, is going because of, of, of a great couple, you know, great that's people. Another story. That's another story on its own. Jono, could you tell that part of the story? Can I just, can I just add something to what Joe just said? Um, traveling with you from Jono's um, non-workshop, James, I also, Joe, saw someone incredibly bright. Don't ever underestimate James's brain power. And, um, and, I, and I could see a future leader, a real future leader of this country. Yeah, for mm. sure. Mm. But Jono, oh, I just loved, what I loved was seeing the photos, Jono, when you went to Amberley that afternoon uh, and these photos come through of you, of you three together kind of meeting and just real, really the with, best of with, what with Lingo Louis, With Lingo Louie. And then Lingo Louie was in there in some of the photos and it was lovely having Louie last week. But Jono, yeah, what did you feel when you, when you rocked up at Amberley? 
after a, after a mower last week. Mm. <laughs> it's crazy because um, when I was leaving home, things were setting in as as like looking like we we're going to get some pretty serious floods. And I was like a risk. I knew that if I was going to go over the Ashburton Bridge, there was a chance that it was going to be closed when I got back. So I was like, oh, and a bit like what James said about, you know, if we're not courageous to do, you know, what it takes, it was like, you know, who are we to say others should be as well? So I went and um, and made it there and got to, you know, meet Joe for the first time and meet meet Louie and, um. And yes, knew some people that were there, had met them, some of those people before, and lots of new, lots of new faces, and it was just incredible. And um, yeah, and then got home, and and the bridge wasn't closed, thank goodness, and it worked out all pretty sweet. But um, it's on, yeah. Put yeah. a couple. And and then I and then I loved the one where you were in um with those young lads. Was that in Geraldine in that special cafe, Jono? And Joe was there as well. Don't know where yeah, well, this was um, this was when James had gone off on his own, and um, to get to the next meeting at um, I think it was uh, Harwear Flat or maybe somewhere near Wanaka, um, and so Joe and I stayed behind and sort of finished off the meeting. It was an incredible meeting in Fairley at the AMP um showgrounds, like just incredible. The the stuff that was discussed and the you know, people left with actions. You know, Joe did such a great job of facilitating the end of that conversation. Um, oh, give us a taste of that. Like what? Like what's an example of how incredible it was and what were the actions? Just a couple of examples, guys. Oh, like talking about what it was like to have certain posts on local groups shut down because like even sharing the Farmer James tour got taken off the local group and like, what do we do about that? We've been, you know, sort of that they talked about it like fighting against us for ages and like joe and i created like you know there's no need to fight against it you can just you know do your own thing look at creating another group there was a real you know sense of people leaving with 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 actions you know actionable things that they can take on and it was around you know most of it was based around community and support um but then also we we're talking with farmers about you know the possibility of a foot and mouth outbreak and what would happen and talking about like should there be another lockdown what would happen and for the most part what was really inspiring is people were just like no we're just not going to do that we're just not going to and it was you know sharing sharing our knowledge about what we'd done like you know i've been challenging the local mayor here um writing in um you know finding whether 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 slipping up and and you know calling them out on it and things i mean you know it's you know i've heard um, there's you know people here and businesses here you know should we go into lockdown they're simply just not going to not going to close so yes, you know, get in, yes. you know, get, yeah get in the numbers and support them but do yeah. more than that go around to businesses now and just just you know hey look you know I, I don't think this you know whole lockdown business if it's going to happen is, is a good idea if you stay open I'll support you but get all in the community to go in and say that and just just start dropping these little you know support bombs and things um, Joe that's an awesome idea yeah that's yeah. an awesome idea and that's working like that's in effect right now it's a bit like I created at the Fairly at the Fairly show that the night before the Fairly show I had been at the Jimmy Barnes concert in Christchurch and it was all sitting and everyone and every now and then like the this concert was like the sort of stuff where you get you know people wanting to dance you know um couples trying to dance and it was all seated but every now and then a couple would stand up and start dancing and security comes over sit down you know and another one over here stands up and you know oh. sit down and it, when it was one and one and one it was sit down but we got to the last couple of songs and one and then two and then three and then 10 and then the whole floor was up the front dancing and we <laughs> just had so an incredible cool. time but that's what it takes like getting back to businesses closing or not one stays open the QKFA you know the the Steve Oliver's um Oliver MMA all these businesses stay open well I'm going to stay open that's you know and brilliant. that's going to give someone else yeah yeah, oh, for sure. And Shana, that's so back such to the, a good um, cut. We've got to put that on Instagram. That cut. Oh, that's just brilliant. There's a few good um, ones here today. A few good cuts if we wanted to. If we wanted to do some, but um, coming back to so from Fairly, Joe was like, we're going to go meet Joe's parents. So he jumped in the Commodore with me, and we went to. We we're just going to head out the 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 inland scenic route, but it turns out 
Joe's parents were already on their way to go to Queenstown to come and meet. <laughs> they were going to go to the the event in Queenstown, so we we met up at um, at Q Cafe and we're sitting there and we'd had it. Joe and I had ordered a burger and it was like, yeah, this is like this was just cool, you know, having a chat, waiting, and then Emma turned up from the fairly event. It was just cool to see her there, and then yeah yeah and then these young lads um came in and they're just yarning away and and i just thought to myself like they weren't wearing masks and i I just uh you know started a conversation with them and they and then we we're just like hey do you it, it was a hangout joint i mean you know a a, a freedom you know cafe as have been very very outspoken you know anti-propaganda out the front calling out you know gender 20 30 and everything like this and here's i think two 14 year olds and a 15 year old just hanging out you know plugging in their phones you know down at the back Brilliant. table and stuff and um hey boys wanted to come for a chat and then yeah it just happened from there organically from there yeah, and absolute then, heroes in that cafe the q cafe oh, and geraldine just in that video off. james like it seemed to you know spark a few great conversations because it's an area that we haven't really touched on right is this like sort of teenage aspect um mm -hmm. in perspective but man those boys like you know hearing them say like, like ari like people do what they want if you want to wear a mask do that if you want to get vaccinated do that but there should always be a choice i was just like wow yeah you could also see some of the propaganda they had been sold i noticed yeah, well, that 100 he said like if i could have you know, I won't name who it was, but you know, got the got the jab and was like, well, it was because, you know, that it's, video's it's... had nine thousand two hundred thirty five views, and yeah. sixteen thousand reach. Yeah, it's wow. amazing. Mm. I yeah, we cool. I put it up on my Facebook page. It really went off. People loved mm. it. But there was yeah, there was a boy who said I wanted to play basketball, and you know I couldn't do it mm. without. And lots of people going, well, there's coercion right there because yeah. he wouldn't yeah. have had it. He wouldn't have and had he told us offline a story as well, like where he's got family members who were coerced into, you know, mm. it was like either keep your job or 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 you don't. And you know, they 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 took the advice. They well they Yeah, and then the dad said because the mum was the one having to take it because of her job nursing, and then the dad, you know, said if, if there was going to ask for another one or for a further one, then dad said, like, that's it. That you know, there is our line. We are drawing our line there, and we are then leaving New Zealand. That's you know what he's you know, fifteen year old boy said his father said to him, and you know that was just yeah. You know, here we are, just having a chat with some young young men um, at this beautiful cafe in Fairley, and right then and there it was just a, a connection to to what's going on in society, mm -hmm. um, what this government is is pushing down upon the people. It's not for the people. Yeah, and big ups to those boys, like massive ups because one of them was sort of like a bit nervous about coming on, and then you know just because his mates were you know brave and and because it really does take something, especially because they had never they didn't know who we were and they didn't know who Farmer James was, but then we got on the live and we started talking, and yeah, and uncle. Larry's like, "This is my uncle," like on the live. <laughs> <That's so laughs> He's cool. like, "Hey, uncle." <laughs> I love that. I loved all your live crosses, James. You're a natural at them too. They're really good. We'll put that one from Geraldine underneath and then people can find a lot of the others. But yeah. guys, it's been really special. I know, Joe, you have to get to work and do some good out there. Personally, yeah. um, I can't tell you how oh, it makes me cry, so I won't cry, but I'll tell you how inspiring this is because I'm putting together something that is a really big vision and it's really ballsy. It's different. It's audacious. And I've got... Um, just like a minority, but they're trying to do a kind of Jacinda Ardern on the freedom side. They're saying, hey, there's only one way to do this and you'll do it with us and you'll do it our way or you won't do it. And I'm going, no, I'm a big believer in freedom and I stand for your freedom, but I stand for mine as well. And I'm a big believer in diversity. And I think what will win this on this side is not just everybody must unite and everybody must be subservient, but what is a brilliant strategy? What's a really smart thing that will inspire a lot of people and it's going to take a bit like that journey you did, James, that you described. It's going to take um, bearing a few squalls and bits of snow and rain coming at me. But I've got to stand for what I believe in, even with these sort of bullying energies, which are saying, you'll do it my way. We've had enough of that. So why am I telling you this? Because listening to this conversation today, 
It's just what my soul needed. Thank you so much, you guys. I love you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Never give up. I've got the brave variant. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> I've got it too. <laughs> love you. Bye.